With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more with FanDuel. Great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, PGA Tour, and so much more. It's got great promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe. It's secure. You get your winning fast. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay, and you can discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know that I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. And we are back. Another episode, Boxing with Chris Mannix. Glad you could be here. Got a great show for you this week. Devin Haney, the WBC lightweight champion. He is over in Australia getting ready for his fight against George Cambosis next month. I check in with him, see what's going on in his camp, including what's the latest with his father, Bill, and what's the plan to be without him potentially uh, on fight. Now, stick around for that. Right now, friend of the podcast is back. Keith Idek, senior writer over at BoxingScene.com, freshly dressed in his UNLV Running Rebels uh, T-shirt. Was that a uh, gift shop pickup there, Keith, at uh, one of your Vegas stops or uh – Oh, you, that a, uh, you spend you spend several months a year in Las Vegas. You're bound to pick up some stuff along the way, you know. Wow, I could go a lot of different ways with that. You're bound to pick up some stuff along the way. I mean, well, in well, Vegas, it's it's better than the other things you could pick up along the way in Vegas, I guess, right? That is correct. That is correct. It is. Uh, we'll all be back in Vegas, I'm sure, uh, soon enough, including for the Canelo Golovkin trilogy. Now, there's no official announcement yet on the venue. For Canelo Golovkin 3, that was not included in the release this week about uh, the signing and agreement of that deal. September 17th at 168 pounds, the undisputed championship on the line uh, in Canelo Golovkin 3. But I'm going to assume it's in Las Vegas because fights like this are always in Las Vegas. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Keith, um, I guess your reaction first to Canelo bypassing the rematch with Demetri Bivol to go straight into a third fight with Gennady Golovkin. 
Chris, I think from a business standpoint, it was their only alternative because if he goes and fights Bivol again and the result is similar, then it really, really takes the shine off of a third fight with Golovkin, which some fans have expressed disinterest in already. You don't want to have him coming off of back-to-back losses to Bivol uh, going into that third fight with Golovkin. So I think this was the only way for him to go from a business standpoint and also in terms of rebuilding his confidence He's a favorite in the fight against Golovkin. Golovkin is 40 years old, um, came back to beat Murata in a very convincing fashion, but didn't look particularly great in the first four or five rounds of that fight. Uh, so Canelo is a big favorite here. He was back down to 168 pounds where he's clearly more comfortable. Uh, he'll be the bigger. He's not a taller fighter than Golovkin, but he's more accustomed to the weight because Golovkin has been a middleweight throughout his career. So Canelo seemingly has all the advantages going into this third fight. Uh, I think that's why this third fight is happening next, as opposed to him fighting Bivol again. The Bivol rematch will be there. Um, now, if he were to lose to Golovkin, of course, I don't, I don't know what need there would be for him to fight Bivol again. But I think this was the smartest way for them to go. He'll still make a lot of money for fighting Golovkin again. There still is significant interest in that third fight because there is a rivalry there. Uh, of course, the first fight was considered a fight that Golovkin won. Uh, resulted in a controversial draw. The second fight, I, I thought uh, Canelo won the fight. Um, so, you know, I just think it was the only way for them to go here. The fight was pretty much set for September 17th. And you're right, Chris, I think it will be at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I, I don't see it happening any other way. They have had uh, substantial discussions with SoFi State September 17th. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that this was the only way to go. Um, you don't do the Golovkin fight now. Who knows if it's ever going to be there? Not only could Canelo lose again to Dmitry Bivol, but if you're Golovkin and you're waiting around until May of 2023, there's a chance that you could take a fight where you would lose. And it would be 41 years old in May of 2023, which makes it um, even more challenging for a fight like that. It just everything just pointed to this fight ultimately taking place. And look, there's a chance that the Dimitri Bivol fight will be even bigger if they push it to May of next year. Because Bivol, I don't know what he's going to do in his next fight. I don't know if he does what Eddie Hearn is pushing for, which is take on a Joshua Boazzi. I don't know if he responds to the... Nine million press releases that you and I get from Bob Trieger about Gilberto Ramirez and his challenge to Dimitri Bivol, which we've been getting for well over a year now. Or if he waits and sees if you know uh, Archer Betterbiev and Joe Smith ends in the kind of way that would allow the winner of that fight to take him on before the end of the year. That's probably the preferred option for Dimitri Bivol. But uh, you know we'll see how how that goes. But if Dimitri Bivol can say become undisputed at 175, and you go into next year with Canelo Alvarez, Bivol, Alvarez undisputed at 168, Bivol undisputed at 175, that's massive. Like, that is massive. Like, it, it makes that rematch 10 times bigger than uh, than what it was. And to your point about Golovkin, like, as much as some of the hardcore fans bellyache over, you know, seeing Canelo Golovkin 3, there are twice as many mainstream fans that have interest in it. There's are like Keith, you and I are out kind of in you know the mainstream community a lot. And like most boxing fans, many boxing fans that are of, of the casual variety. 
Like, they know Canelo Golovkin 3. Like, they know that fight. And, you know, I, I don't know what the final pay-per-view numbers were for, for uh, Canelo's last fight. This will probably do over a million. Like, it just will. It's just a, a marketable fight, a big mainstream fight that will... And, and given that they're making it in a timely manner and we able to promote it in the proper way, uh, we'll have a lot of buzz among casual boxing fans in the weeks and months to come. So this, to me, was was a total no-brainer. Now, l- let me pivot to the fight itself. It will be contested at 168. Uh, Golovkin has not fought as a full-fledged 168-pounder. That in and of itself, Keith, is remarkable. I mean, the guy's been fighting at middleweight since, like, what, 2004? With the occasional dalliance above, you know, 160 pounds with Steve Rolls or something else, maybe earlier this year, I don't really remember. But, like, this guy, he's going he's gonna to move up to 168. Uh, could that benefit Gennady Golovkin in a fight like this? I think it could. I mean it really speaks to his level of consistency and discipline that he was able to fight at, at or around the middleweight limit for so long. He turned pro, I believe, in 2007. Uh, that's a long time. That's 15 years to be at the same weight. So, uh, but and even yeah, amateurs. He, amateur, yeah. he was doing middleweight. Yeah. So he's been – it's a long time. And he'll, and he'll be fresher. You know, he'll, he won't have to get down to 160 pounds. He's a little taller than Canelo. Uh, Canelo. He's a couple of inches taller than him. So yeah, maybe there'll be some, uh, maybe there'll be a resurgence in Gennady Golovkin because he doesn't have to get down to the middleweight limit for this fight. Um, I still think he's at a significant disadvantage just because Canelo is still in his physical prime. He has a lot of fights for a 31-year-old guy. He has, I believe, 61 fights now. Um, so he, you know, he's been at it as a professional since he was 15 years old. So he, if there's such a thing as an old 31, that would be Canelo. Although there's no signs of him really slowing down significantly in the ring he's an old 31 in that he has so many fights on his record um but but he has all the advantages i mean this fight is designed for him to win designed for him to look good and of course golovkin will come to fight he's got a lot of pride this is a guy he intensely dislikes so it's going to be an interesting fight but i just think more so than the first two fights canelo has distinct advantages going into this fight and i would be I don't know if stunned is the right word, but I would be uh, very surprised if he lost this fight. Yeah, you know, Golovkin's been softened up to the body a lot over the years, beginning with the Sergey Derevchenko fight a few years ago. When you could see even against Murata, his last fight, I mean, he took some shots to the body that clearly affected him. I would expect Canelo to have a game plan that attacks that early and often. And, and uh, the, you know, the most likely outcome here is that we see something decisive for the first time in this uh, trilogy between these two guys. Um, let me ask you then about Beevil. Uh, I just kind of laid out what the options are likely to be for him before the end of the year. What do you think Beevil, his team, um, what do you think they're going to to look at over the next couple of weeks and months? From a financial standpoint, I think the smartest thing for him to do would be to fight either Joshua Buatzi, which you mentioned, uh, or Gilberto Ramirez. Ramirez, I'm assuming, will be ranked one in the num- in the WBA rankings because he just beat Dominic Bosell, who was number one. He's number two. Uh, I believe Boatzi's number three. So I think one of those two fights should be next for him because if I'm him, and I, yes, you would want to be the fully unified light heavyweight champion. Of course he would. But if he goes, let's just say better be a beats Joe Smith. You know, the better BF fight is a dangerous fight. It's a fight he could lose, right? So if he goes and fights better BF and loses, well, then he's probably not going to fight Canelo Alvarez again. I mean, you could do it, but it would take some of the shine off of that fight as well. So 
I think the safer, smarter thing for him to do, if I'm him, I go fight Buatsi in England because I think he'll get paid more to fight Buatsi than he would make to fight Gilberto Ramirez, who is, who is somewhat of a draw, um, has been, you know, clamoring for a quote-unquote big fight for quite some time, mostly against Canelo, of course. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm Bivol, I take the trip over to London, fight Joshua Buatsi. I don't see any way that Joshua Buatsi, based on what I saw against Craig Richards and what I've seen in previous fights against lower levels of opposition, I don't think Buatsi is capable of beating Dimitri Bivol. But I see Eddie Hearn's point in that, okay, you've, you've pretty much protected this guy for quite some time against a relatively low level of opposition. He took an incremental step up in opposition against Craig Richards, who gave Bivol a pretty tough fight. And as we discussed the last time I was on the podcast, probably one more rounds, not officially, but one more rounds against uh, Bivol than Canelo did. Um, but he but he did beat Craig Richards, I think, convincingly, I guess would be fair. Uh, he, you know, I thought he decisively won that fight. So, you know, if he fights Buatzi in London, it's a big event over there. Buatzi's undefeated. He's been groomed to get a title shot ever since he came out of the 2016 Olympics in Rio. Uh, that, for me, would be the sensible business move for him to make. Go beat Buatzi, wait for Canelo to fight Triple G, and then whenever they want to make that fight, whether it's still December or it's early next year, uh, then go make that rematch with Canelo, assuming Canelo beats Golovkin in the third fight. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I agree that if Bevel fought better Biev or Smith, um, it would be a big risk. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, not, I, 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 don't, I don't know about, I don't know about, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Chris, but I don't know about Smith. He's no, already beaten yeah. Joe Smith. Yes. Now he was hurt at the end of the 10th round. I mean, there was a right. tense moment there where if Joe Smith had 10 or 15 more seconds, maybe he stops Dimitri Bivol because he was buzzed at the end of the 10th round, but otherwise he was completely outclassed by Bivol. So I, I don't expect Joe Smith to beat better Biev, but I just wanted to make that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It, um, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, I wonder how much money would be on the table for a fight against better Biev. Maybe not, not a lot, maybe not. I mean, certainly not as close to what could be on the table for a Canelo fight. Uh, that's for sure. Because mm -hmm. as, as significant a fight as say better Biev versus Bivol is, I mean, it's, unmarketable in the u.s like it just is like mm -hmm. hardcore boxing fans know these guys average boxing fans do not it would remind me in some ways of you know better be versus vostick which took place in philadelphia and had no fans in attendance like it just yeah it's just it's hard to market that fight even even better be versus smith which you know joe smith's from long Island, take place in the theater at msg like not at the in the big room at msg so it kind of speaks to how marketable that fight is. So, yeah, I would say I, I, I wonder, Keith, um, you know, when I was at the Gilberto Ramirez show a couple of weeks ago, Golden Boy officials just insisted that the WBA was going to mandate that Ramirez fight uh, Bevel, and they were going to threaten to take his belt if he did. Now, I don't believe the WBA would do anything outside of its own interests. I, I mean, they just wouldn't. Um, but I mean, do you think that becomes a factor in all this now that Canelo has passed and it looks like, you know, he won't fight for that title until at least May of next year, like could Bevel be pressured into this, you know, by the sanctioning body that has the only belt that he owns? Uh, you know, usually, as you mentioned, Chris, you follow the money as it relates to the sanctioning organizations and following the money would lead you to a Bivol Canelo rematch. 
I guess they could do it theoretically, right? I mean, they and sometimes they come up with these wacky decisions that you couldn't comprehend. So who knows? I mean, I, maybe that's wishful thinking on the part of Golden Boy because he's one of the few fighters that they have, Gilberto Ramirez, who's a valuable commodity. He's, you know, he, he should be ranked number one uh, by the WBA in their next rankings when they release their next rankings. Um, but in, in their uh, never-ending quest to be confusing, the number one contender isn't always necessarily the mandatory contender. And there's no real criteria for what separates the number one contender from the mandatory contender. Um, so again, they pretty much make it up as they go along. And while he could be the number one contender, he might not have mandatory status, which would then mean that he's not forced to fight him next. So, I mean, who knows what the, particularly the WBA, who knows what they're going to do. I mean, the WBA is so, uh, inconsistent and uh, and disruptive to, to what's going on in the boxing business sometimes that even Jose, uh, not Jose Suleiman, I'm sorry, his son, Mauricio Suleiman, the president of the WBC, came out and condemned the WBA recently and said, look, we had this agreement in place to, you know, follow this set of, uh, you know, rules where this organization would go first, this organization would go second, and they've just abandoned that. So now, everyone's coming in against it's not just you know media types like you and i um and fans it's it's the other sanctioning organizations who are condemning the wba and, and chris just one thing related to the better be a bivol fight the potential for that fight the place where that fight belongs is russia because there bivol has lived in russia since he was a child and better be is from russia and you can't have the fight in russia now because well according to the wba they wouldn't sanction it so as long as this war in Ukraine continues, uh, you can't have that fight where it actually belongs. I mean, I think it would be a big fight in Russia because it's two, uh, two undefeated world champions from Russia fighting each other. Put that fight in Moscow, and I'm sure it would do big business, but that's not an option right now. So like you said, then you, where would you put it in the U.S. where it matters? You know, because like you said, Vostik and Better Biev, I was ringside for that fight in Philadelphia. It was at Temple University's basketball arena, so which mm-hmm. was a relatively odd place for it to be, you know. So yeah, yeah, I, I was there too. That was that was a a small crowd, very to say the least, mm-hmm. a very small crowd for, yeah. for what was a great fight between two yep. top level light heavyweights. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it it might behoove them to wait and uh, get the most money there. I, I would say, you know, before I compliment. Uh, you know, Mauricio Suleiman there. I would also first ask him to explain that Ryan Garcia, Isak Cruz press release that oh, maybe he can I'm, start with. That. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complimenting Mauricio Suleiman. I'm just saying there's now infighting. There's public infighting among the sanctioning organizations. Mauricio Suleiman also came out, I don't know, three or four days, it seemed, before the U.S. government put a bounty on the head of Daniel Kinahan and said how great of a guy Kinahan was and how, how, how fine of a time he had on his uh, all expenses paid trip to Dubai. So I'm not, I'm not defending the WBC uh, above the WBA or anything. I'm just saying they're, they're now publicly uh, at, at war with each other, even most confusing convoluted three sentence. I believe it was press release ever on Ryan Garcia, Isaac Cruz, all of which was complete and utter nonsense. Yeah. And, and ordering the fight to begin with, I don't know what the purpose of that was exactly. No purpose. None whatsoever. Not like you, we're not going to talk about Ryan Garcia, but you're not going to probably, you're probably not going to like Ryan Garcia has passed on like six different chances to fight for a title. He's like the Jaime Munguia of lightweights down there. He's he does what he wants to do in in his own way. And that's fine. Like if you have that kind of drawing power and you can fight whoever you want, like 
You don't have to listen to sanctioning bodies, but that was a bizarre press release that the WBC uh, released a couple of weeks ago. All right, let's move on uh, to the fight this weekend. Also in the lightweight division, Javante Davis, uh, Raleigh Romero. A couple layers to this fight, but I want to start with the fight itself. Uh, Romero was discussed and was actually named as an opponent for Javante Davis last year. He withdrew after sexual assault allegations uh, came up against him. He is back now, and this fight is going to happen on Saturday for Davis's secondary title at 135 pounds. How dangerous is Raleigh Romero in this fight? Because he's undefeated, uh, he's got power, but you know, you and I probably would both agree he shouldn't be undefeated. He lost uh, one fight. It looked like he should have lost one fight against uh, what was it, Marinez a couple of fights ago, and um, I just like he's just so awkward, and and maybe that works to his advantage because he can hit Davis with something he doesn't see coming, but it also leaves him incredibly vulnerable for some of the shots that Javante is going to throw. I mean, I I think that this fight is going to be entertaining for as long as it lasts, but I don't think for Raleigh Romero it's going to last all that long. Yeah, probably not, Chris. I I I wholeheartedly agree that he lost to Jackson Marinez. I thought he lost as many as eight or nine rounds in that yeah. fight. I didn't even think it was a. I, I didn't think it was close. I didn't think it was contra. It was controversial in that he won, uh, but uh, but Jackson Marinez, in my opinion, clearly won that fight. Uh, be that as it may, here we are. They are fighting on Saturday night, and and uh, uh, at least Roly Romero got his opportunity because look, I mean, what happened to him late last year? I, I don't, you know, he he was he was he was not charged with a crime. Uh, you know, I understand the woman filed a police report, and I also understand that, you know, Showtime, Mayweather Promotions, everyone involved in organizing the event had to remove him from the fight at that time because he was under investigation for sexual assault. But um, at least they did the right thing in rescheduling the fight, though, because in, in the court of in the in the actual court, he has done nothing wrong. Right. So at least he's getting this opportunity back. I mean, I'm not pretending to know what happened between him and this woman, but what I'm saying is it was thoroughly investigated by the Nevada, uh, the, the Henderson, Nevada police department and charges were not filed against him. So he is getting the opportunity that he should have gotten December 5th here at least. But you could also argue that he doesn't deserve this opportunity because he, he lost to Jackson Marinez and he's fought a relatively low level of opposition. Chris, if you go, if you go through his record, the last three opponents that he has beaten because we'll include Jackson Marinez in that Jackson Marinez uh Avery Sparrow and Anthony Yigit none of them are punchers so Roly Romero might have a good chin but we wouldn't know that because he hasn't fought a puncher in any of the fights that you would consider higher level fights for him against world-ranked contenders they I don't think any of those three fighters had more than eight knockouts going into their fights against Roly Romero He's he's clearly fighting a puncher uh, on Saturday night, right? Because because whatever anyone wants to say about Gervonta Davis, he's one of the most devastating punchers in boxing. Now, look, Isak Cruz has a pretty good chin, a pretty hard head, and Gervonta uh, Davis seemed to aggravate was an, what was an existing hand injury relatively early in that fight. Uh, so he went the distance for the first time in 16 fights and all that. But uh, will Roly Romero be able to take Gervonta Davis's power? I'm not so sure that we have any evidence of that. But to your point, Roly Romero is a one thing that Roly Romero can do. He's unorthodox. He's awkward. Um, 
he came to boxing very late. He fought and, you know, he was a judo fighter for a very long time and didn't turn to boxing until he was 17 years old. Uh, his skills would be, I guess, best uh, described as unrefined, right? He is awkward. Uh, and, and he does a lot of things uh, that create unusual um, sequences in fights, I guess is the best way to put it. So could he catch Javante Davis in an exchange and hurt him? I'm, I'm sure he's strong enough, certainly, to do that. Will he be able to do that? I don't know, because I think Javante Davis is going to go into this fight. He's, he's, he's a smart fighter, and he knows how to pick his spots. He's not going to go in there reckless. He's not going to go in there emotional, no matter what Roly Romero has said about him or how he has tried to antagonize him throughout the buildup to this fight. He's going to go in there in a smart, calculated way and try to get him out of there when the time is right. So I would expect this fight to, to end within six rounds at some point, and I would expect Gervonta Davis to win the fight. Uh, but Roly Romero is dangerous because he can crack. And, and mm-hmm. you know, if you get hit on the chin the right way by a guy who can crack, who knows what could happen. So in that way, I think maybe the odds the odds are pretty wide. I think Gervonta Davis is about a 10-to-1 favorite. He's minus 1,000. I think Roly Romero's plus 900. That might be a little wide just based on Roly Romero's punching power. But if you're analyzing their skill sets and their level of opposition and what they've accomplished, it's probably about right. Yeah, it'll be a fun fight for as long as as it lasts, but uh, I don't think we'll be talking about the judges at the end of this fight. Uh, That's the only prediction I think that could be 100% accurate um, as we look at that one. The subtext of this uh, matchup, Keith, is that it is the last fight for Gervonta Davis on his contract with Mayweather Promotions. Gervonta has been all over the map on his future with Mayweather Promotions. For months, it seemed like he was going to leave Mayweather after this fight, branch out on his own. Still, remain with Al Heyman, which may be the only thing that really matters when it comes to fighting outside of the PBC universe, but not be tied to Mayweather. This week, you know, he was quoted as saying, uh, you know, I, I'll, maybe I'll stay with Mayweather. This I have the best team that's out there. We'll see what happens after this fight. Let's start there. What do you think the future of Gervonta is promotionally after this fight? It's interesting, Chris, because what you just said uh, everything that he has indicated leading up to this fight is that he's leaving Mayweather Promotions after this fight. Um, he's, he hasn't come out and said this publicly, but I know that he's, he has been annoyed by the way you know, Floyd Mayweather has treated him publicly in that you know, he often uh, whispers in his ear as if he's telling him what to say, um, interrupts him and, and says, I'll take that question. And, you know, Gervonta Davis is going to be 28 years old in November, uh, he's a he's a full fledged adult. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to speak for himself. Uh, I understand there have been times earlier in his career where they didn't want him necessarily to say, "Yeah, I'll just fight this guy, that guy, and that guy," and then not fight those guys because they knew that he was not going to take those paths. I understand that to some degree, but there gets a point gets to a point where someone again is a, is an adult. I mean, he, there's no reason he can't speak for himself, uh, and I think he's been very frustrated with the way Floyd Mayweather, in particular, has handled him publicly. Um, you know, there's a lot behind the scenes about their, you know, personal relationship and they've had their ups and downs personally and everything. I think he, you know, as far as I know, he, uh, Gervonta Davis really appreciates and likes Leonard Ellerby. Uh, you know, Leonard has been a champion of his career from beginning to end and often has said, you look, Leonard's been honest in that he has said, uh, whether people like it or not, most people don't like it. He's been honest in saying, look, we're going to fight who we're going to fight. And Gervonta 
Bezos is going to make a lot of money doing it, and we're going to draw big crowds, and we're going to do, he's never said we're going to do huge pay-per-view numbers, but we're going to do pay-per-view numbers that will satisfy us and allow us to keep doing pay-per-view fights with Javante Davis, particularly because we're making a lot of money at the gate. He's been very honest in that way, so, so I understand it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and it has led to Javante Davis fighting a lot of opponents that people don't want to see him fight. But from a financial standpoint, he's been very successful. So you can look at it that way, too. If you're Javante Davis, you could say, look, I've been well compensated. Uh, they've developed me. He's, of course, developed himself into a draw by the way that he fights. And, and uh, people have taken to him for sure. Um, so he can look at it two ways. Do I want to continue in this uh, what a lot of people perceive to be a contentious relationship with Floyd Mayweather in particular? Uh, or do I just want, as you said, to continue dealing with Al Heyman and Showtime, uh, but just eliminate Floyd Mayweather? I, I was surprised, to your point, Chris, I was surprised that he said what he said this week and that, you know, we've done a lot of good things, I'm paraphrasing, but we've done a lot of good things together and who knows what's going to happen in the future because it's completely contrary to what he had indicated in the past. He had tweeted some things that uh, mostly he had taken down, but he had tweeted some things that were screenshot. That certainly indicated that he was heading in a different direction after this fight. So I guess, you know, I'm headed to the press conference uh, later today uh, for the fight, and I'll ask him about it. Uh, I'm sure other people will ask him about it as well. Uh, maybe he's now undecided. I, I don't know. I mean, I, but it, I just thought it was weird that he completely changed course uh, based on what he had said over the last few months this week. He is the master of the tweet, then delete, which he knows as well as anyone yeah. is meaningless because it'll get screen grabbed, shared all that way. It doesn't matter if he keeps it up or not. It's still out there. I mean, his unfortunate tweet at Jake Paul, you know, all of a sudden went viral even after he deleted it, uh, talking about the money. So he, um, he, t- he, he tweeted Derek Harmon's phone number. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, Derek Harmon apparently had uh, tried to arrange for him to meet with Bob Arum or, you know, obviously yeah. Derek Harmon, the former light heavyweight contender who works for Bob Arum for top rank. Right. Um, he tweeted his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was, uh, it was funny, but I was like, oh man, that's a, and he, I believe he took that down as well. But you know, people started calling Derek Harmon and, uh, you know, nonstop. Let, let me ask you, let me ask this, Keith. Like, even if he leaves Mayweather, if he remains tied to Al Heyman, does any of it matter? Is, is it pointless? Like, ultimately, to get what Gervonta Davis wants, Al Heyman and PBC are going to have to do a deal with somebody. You are not going to get next year the winner of Devin Haney versus George Cambosis without doing a deal, either with ESPN, Matchroom, if Haney finds his way back there, um, whoever. You're just not going to, you're probably not going to do it. You're not going to get a deal for Ryan Garcia unless you involve Golden Boy and DAZN. It's kind of as simple as that. Like, I don't, you know, all the talk about Mayweather, it's almost like a red herring. Like, if he's not going to agree or if Al Heyman's not going to agree to do deals with somebody else, we're still right back where we started, in my mind, where he's looking around the PBC universe where there's nobody. Like, I, I don't know who he would fight in that in that sphere uh, if he only limits his options to that in his next fight. You and I would both love to see Davis against Ryan Garcia before the end of the year. Um, there's been some momentum for those talks in the past. There have been real negotiations for those talks in the past. Ryan's going to fight against somebody in mid-July and then, you know, presumably be available for one more fight before the end of the year like you know do you think that it's possible for Al Heyman to do a deal with somebody else do you think it's necessary 
for Al Ham to do a deal with somebody else in order to get a big fight for Javante Davis? To answer your first question, Chris, it might matter very significantly to boxing fans in this way if Javante D- Davis leaves Mayweather Promotions. W- what has been relayed to me is that he wants these fights and that he feels that Mayweather, and maybe to a lesser degree Leonard Ellerby, have prevented him from getting these fights. Whether that's true or not is probably somewhere in between. But if he really wants those fights and then he removes the people who he feels have been obstacles toward him getting those fights, well, then maybe those fights happen because he demands it and, and he's speaking for himself now. And he tells Al Heyman, I want to fight, let's just say, Ryan Garcia. Please go make the Ryan Garcia fight, whatever we have to do, whichever partnership we have to create to make that happen, please go do that. Now, it, the onus would be strictly on Gervonta Davis at that point uh, if he does leave Mayweather Promotions and then say a fight with Ryan Garcia doesn't happen or a fight with the winner of Devin Haney and George Cambosis doesn't happen. Now, if Haney beats Cambosis, he's going to be tied up, obviously, because he has to fight him in an re- immediate rematch. So that fight won't be available to Gervonta Davis for a while. But the, the Ryan Garcia fight, Chris, which you and I have discussed multiple times on the podcast, is a fight that will really resonate not only with boxing fans, with people outside of boxing, because I think both of these guys, Ryan Garcia is in a Gatorade commercial now, and he has a huge social media following. Javante Davis clearly has resonated with fans based on his gate receipts and, and you know, reasonably decent pay-per-view numbers. He, th- these Both of these guys are unlike most boxers in that people outside of boxing know who they are, and they would love to see them fight. That I think that's the fight for both guys because if on the other side of it, if you're Ryan Garcia's matchmaker, if he's going to lose, you want him to lose to fight against Gervonta Davis where he's going to make a lot of money as opposed, you know, you keep taking these, um, look, if he fights Javier Fortuna, it's not an easy fight, but it's a fight that Ryan Garcia should win. But if you take enough of those, maybe one of those times you're going to take a risk that you shouldn't take and he's going to get picked off and then he's not going to be in position to make an enormous amount of money for Javante Davis. So if I'm his people, I'm trying to guide him toward that fight. Now, of course, Ryan Garcia also is going to want to fight the winner of Devin Haney, George Campos, just because who wouldn't want to fight for all the lightweight titles, right? But I think commercially, the biggest fight in the lightweight division, short of the titles, and it doesn't really matter if they have the titles or not, is Javante Davis against Ryan Garcia. So let's whether he's with Mayweather Promotions or whether he's away from Mayweather Promotions, I don't really care about that. What I care mm-hmm. about is making the fights for Gervonta Davis that we want to see and that, more importantly, the fans, the people who are paying their money and who religiously uh, pay attention to this sport get the types of fights that they want. And Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis is certainly one of those fights. Oh, if you're if you're Gervonta Davis – you know, the message to Mayweather Promotions isn't, you know, I'm gone. It should be, you know, make this fight for me or I'm gone. Simple as that. Yeah. Like, if you want to be in business with me moving forward, this is the fight you've got to make one way or the other. I don't want another lesser fight because I agree with you. I mean, you know, you're more connected to Javante's team than I am. But, like, you know, I- I've gotten the sense that the the criticism of his opponents has really bothered him over the years. And, mm-hmm. you know, this perception, right or wrong, that he's avoided these tough fights – um, it has has nodded him a little bit. So, uh, you know, I, I think it now becomes on him to apply the pressure and say, this is the fight I want. It's available to me. I know you've talked to Ryan Garcia's side in the past. Don't let networks get in the way. Make a joint pay-per-view if you have to, whatever it's got to be to make 
something like that happen. And uh, let's do it, you know, at some point uh, before the end of the year. But you're right. It is, uh, you know, it is now, I think, on Javante Davis to uh, to be responsible for making that happen. It seems like he wants that. He wants to. He wants that responsibility. He wants to, as he said to, I believe, Brian Custer, take the training wheels off and, uh, you know, go out there and, and make his own fights. Uh, last thing for you, Keith, uh, Deontay Wilder got a statue. Good for Deontay, by the way. Good guy. I mean, really good guy and uh, uh, deserves it, you know, down in Alabama. Uh, and the question came up uh, during that unveiling about his future, and Wilder confirmed he was going to be back uh, in the ring at some point. He's not fought since last year when he was knocked out by Tyson Fury. What do you think the future is for Deontay Wilder? He's in his mid-30s now, and, um, you know, the clock is certainly ticking on how much time he has left. Yeah, he's 36 years old now. Chris will be 37 in September, I believe, or October maybe. Um, but I, I expected him to come back and fight, you know, because there's a lot of money to be made for him, frankly. Um, the question is, is which type of opponent is he going to fight in his comeback fight? Is it because he's going to want to be paid at a certain level where you can't just pay him to fight whoever, right? I mean, he, he needs to fight someone uh, reasonably well-known and reasonably dangerous to, to get paid what he's expecting to be paid. Um, so I'm not all the, really all that surprised that he's coming back. I know there was some, you know, talk from internally from his camp that, you know, it was a brutal knockout loss to Tyson Fury. Uh, he has made a lot of money. Um, so maybe he would not come back, but, you know, just from a pride standpoint, I don't think he's going to want to go out. He's not going to want his now, oftentimes their fighters careers, particularly the heavyweight division don't end in the best ways, but he wasn't going to want his career to end with a brutal knockout loss to Tyson Fury, he's going to want to come back and, 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 you know, get in some meaningful fights and make a lot of money. I think those opportunities are there for him. It's just a matter of who he's going to fight. Uh, you know, because Tyson Fury, it, I don't think Tyson Fury is retired by any, by any means. So I think he's going to try to fight the winner of the Usyk Joshua rematch. And then it's just a matter of which types of fights you can find for Deontay Wilder, quote unquote, keep him busy while he tries to work his way back toward getting a shot at once all of that unfolds and whoever's left standing, well, there's not going to be any demand for him to fight Tyson Fury a fourth time after what happened in their, in the last two fights that they had. But um, if for some reason Usyk win, you know, comes out of that, emerges out of that, or Anthony Joshua emerges out of that, you know, those fights would be uh, viable for Deontay Wilder. So it's who, you know, Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz are going to fight, I believe on August 13th, you know, there, there's not going to be a call for him to fight Luis Ortiz a third time either. But if Andy Ruiz wins that fight, he's a former world champion. He also was affiliated with PBC. Maybe that's a viable fight for Deontay Wilder. Um, I, I spoke to uh, Dimitri Salida the other day, and he said that Otto Wallin, who uh, gave Tyson Fury a tough fight a few years ago, would certainly be willing to fight Deontay Wilder. That's not a bet. Otto's always than- available, Keith. Otto's he- always available, ready to fight. He is, but... Uh, um, I, I don't think he doesn't belong in that type of fight. I mean, no, he did right. give Tyson Fury a tough fight. It's his only loss. And he's just not, a, you know, he's not affiliated with PBC and he's not affiliated with Eddie Hearn. So he's not getting these types of fights. And frankly, he he really got screwed last year when he was supposed to fight Dillian White. Dillian White, you know, pulled out of the fight, said he had a shoulder injury. And then, and then you can't blame him for going to make an enormous payday against Tyson Fury. But then... Uh, Otto Wallin was not really made whole after that. He was just kind of, oh, well, you trained the whole time for the fight and, you know, take your training expenses and shove it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, so I would like to see him get an opportunity. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Deontay Wilder 
because it's a reasonable opponent for him to fight, as is Andy Ruiz, I think. So, uh, But in the PBC universe, there aren't many fights that you could make for Deontay Wilder that people would be interested in. Andy Ruiz would certainly qualify as one of those fights because he's beaten Anthony Joshua. He's a former heavyweight champion. He's still in the, in the heart of his physical prime. I could see that, you know, him, but then when would that fight happen? Because if Andy Ruiz is going to fight Luis Ortiz in two and a half months, well, Andy Ruiz isn't going to show up three months later to fight Deontay Wilder's and Deontay Wilder's not going to wait forever to return to the ring. So do you see him fight um, just a guy? I mean, it's the guy to keep him busy and to get in there and build his confidence back and get a knockout win. You could see that, but he'd have to be reasonable in terms of what he expects from his purse to make that type of fight happen. Yeah, Charles Martin came to mind when you're thinking about a comeback fight. Uh, Martin, of course, was knocked out by Luis Ortiz in January, but um, if you're just talking about kind of a shake-off-the-rust type of fight, you can quasi-sell Martin, the ex-heavyweight title holder, and Martin's the kind of guy that he's been stopped in two of his losses, so you can expect uh, if Wilder's in any kind of shape that he would do the same uh, to Martin in this one. Uh, I like the Waleen fight as well. Um, it just makes sense. It's, you know, Waleen's good, but not great. He's also, you know, continues to win. You know, he beat Dominic Brazil yeah. for whatever that's worth and, um, you know, continues to rack up. He's not just staying idle, waiting for his opportunities, taking fights and, and collecting wins. So, yeah, Waleen uh, makes a lot of sense. And then you're right again. Like, I mean, next year, you know, let's say Anthony Joshua comes out of this Joshua Fury Usyk stuff, you know, as the undisputed champion at heavyweight. Joshua Wilder would still be massive. It might be massive even if Joshua loses, you know, next year. I mean, it's still a big fight between two big punchers that will always have a marketplace for it. So, yeah, it's it's good that Wilder's come back. I think he has one more run left in him as long as that run stays out of the lane of Tyson Fury. Like, there's no reason to see him and Fury. Uh, ultimately uh, go at it again. So we'll see. Good for uh, when, when are you getting your statue in Jersey? Is that um, is that mm. coming soon? That's a good. That's, that's a good question. That's a good question. We'll Where would your statue be? Like mine would be outside, like the Dunkin' Donuts in Boston. Like I, I would, I would have a statue <laughs> there. Well, like, isn't, for isn't all your there contributions? Dun- isn't there a Dunkin' Donuts uh, like every five feet in Boston, pretty much? Correct. Or in correct. Massachusetts there is also I, fun fact. Fun fact, Keith. There's also the original Dunkin' Donuts in my hometown. The first ever Dunkin' Donuts. Is that is, right? Uh, in my hometown. Yes. Right? So, well, uh, there's a lot. Of I would Dunkin like a statue Donut. there. There's a lot of Dunkin' Donuts in New Jersey too, and uh, and I've obviously been prone to eating donuts. So maybe outside of a Dunkin' Donuts might be my spot too. Who knows? You know? That's great. Every boxing writer should have a statue outside of a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that should be that should be a thing. I like that. All right, this, pod, this podcast has gone off the rails at this point, <laughs> I would has. say, officially. So, Keith, good to talk to you, man. I always appreciate your time. Always, Chris. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. When we come back, my conversation with Devin Haney. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And... As long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, 
You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. The app is so easy to use, and when you win, you'll get paid quickly. And FanDuel Sportsbook just launched in Ontario, Canada. To place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code BOXING. All right, Devin, so you have been in Australia for close to a week now. How's the body adjusting? Was there an adjustment? Tell me about kind of how you feel uh, being on the other side of the world. Yeah, I've been here. I've been here for a week now, and uh, I've adjusted pretty well. Um, I thought it would be like a little harder or something like that, just because the, the the time difference. But we flew like we flew in during the nighttime, so we got here like early in the morning, and uh, it was like a regular day. We just stayed up to the nighttime every day since then. I, my sleep schedule has just been been on that, so I've been uh, waking up and treating it like a, a regular day, and I feel great. So, do you feel fully? adjusted right now like if the fight was this saturday you'd physically feel okay yeah honestly um i feel okay um i've been sparring um doing everything um training two to three times a day and um i don't feel i don't feel anything so uh, i'm ready to go so you mentioned you flew over to australia um as everybody knows right by now you flew over without your father bill who's also your longtime trainer tell me your reaction when you were first told that Bill couldn't be in your corner? I mean, I, I, well, there's, there's no, there's no like, um, like stamp on it yet. Um, they're still working, trying to, trying to make it happen. But I knew before I came and, you know, we were trying to figure it out before we came by any means necessary. And, um, you know, once, once we seen that, um, we pushed the flights back excuse me, a couple of days because we were trying to get them, get, we were all trying to leave together. And once we seen that, it was like the final day that we were just like, you know what, I'm just going to go. And uh, if he can come, he can come. Then he can, he can't. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much how, how, how it worked out. Um, of course, you know, I, w- I would love for my dad to be here. Um, but I think that I got to do what's best for, for my career. And my dad installed it, installed it into me. So I know what I got to do. And, uh, 
it is what it is. We 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 know as a team what we got to do to get the win, and uh, we're gonna do it. Did any part of you when you first heard that he couldn't be there think you know what I'm not going through with this I'm I'll figure something else out? Yeah, um, I mean I wouldn't say no, no. Um, of course we were trying to 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 do anything to to make the fight uh, uh, make him be able to come, but. No, nah, it was no doubt in my mind. I knew that, you know, I had plans, and uh, this is something that's that, that's on my on my agenda to become undisputed. And uh, I wasn't gonna miss this opportunity for nothing in the world. And um, you know, I, I thank God that I'm that I'm here, healthy, uh, ready to go, strong, mentally, physically, and uh, it is what it is. We 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 coming to get the belts. So, if your father cannot be in Australia. What is your corner going to look like? Uh, UL Jude is going to be uh, my head coach. And uh, I have a team of guys who have been with me through, through this whole journey, through, you know, multiple, multiple fights. And um, they're going to be in the corner as well. And um, we're ready to go, man. Uh, I think they, my dad can't fight for me. Um, George's coach or dad cannot fight for him. And uh, we're going to model to model. And uh, may the best man win on uh, June fourth. That that that's that's all. That's really that's it. Um, my dad can say what he want to say from the corner. Um, his coach can say what they want to say from the corner. But um, the better fighter will win on uh, June fourth. So Ben Davison is not there either with you. No, Ben Davison's not. Is there? Why is he not? Is he not there this time? Uh, he was having visa problems as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. He couldn't come to the U.S. to for training camp. Mm. Um, is this? I mean, this. When was the last time you fought without your father in your corner? Uh, since I was a little kid, I couldn't even <laughs> tell you. It's been like since amateur days when I was young, like very young. I couldn't even tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned you had a great game plan for this fight. You know, you have to do to win this fight. I mean, what does that look like? Do you have? To, I mean, you know that at some point before next Saturday, I would imagine George Cambos is going to try to say things that will draw you into a firefight. Are you expecting him to try to, you know, psychologically draw you into a fight that you don't want to get into, in the same way he did somewhat with Teofimo Lopez uh, last year? I mean, he's going to try to say whatever he want to say to to get me mad, but at the end of the day, uh, skill is going to pay the bills, and I'm going to find a way to, to get it done once again. Um, there's many ways that I could that, that I could beat him, and uh, I will show. Uh, I will show a little bit of everything, and uh, he just got to prepare for 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 everything, a little bit of everything. Um, not bringing one specific thing to the table. We've been working on uh, uh, the game plan, and we're gonna execute it. Do you look at this as a complicated fight? Uh, I mean, we take nobody lightly. We prepare for the 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 best the best every time. So. Um, we look to make it as easy as possible every time, and um, yeah. So I wouldn't. I don't. I don't know if it's complicated. We could do. We could say on the outside looking in how complicated it would be, but you never know till you truly get into in uh in in there with them. Uh, people could watch me all day, and they they say things, and then they get in there with me, and it's be something totally different. So uh, we we ready for whatever. Do you think? Do you think you would have beaten? the George Cambosis that beat Teofimo last year? Yeah, um, I believe that I could, could uh, would have beat him. I believe I could beat anybody, you know, anybody in the language division. Um, and um, 
I will show it. I mean, what's the difference from the TO that was that was then or, or now? It's just, it, it's the same guy, and um, I will show you that I, that I would have beat him. I guess what I mean is when you watch that fight back, like, do you see things that you would have done that Teofimo didn't do? Yeah, of course. Um, but that's for me to uh, execute and, and to show on um, fight night. You know, I, I don't want to say or spoil it or anything like that. Um, it's for me to to execute and uh, bring out on the June 4th. This will be the biggest crowd you've fought in front of, um, the most hostile crowd, I would imagine, that you've fought in front of, at least by sheer size. Um, how do you... How do you kind of look at that? I mean, do you go into this fight thinking I, I can win a decision in Australia or do you have to do something special, do you think, to win a decision in Australia? Uh, I mean, I don't see why I couldn't win a decision in Australia. You know, we we did the proper steps to make sure it was fair judging um, and uh, we can have a fair fight. You know, whether, whether you know, it's by decision or by knockout, we're going to we're gonna win the fight. And um, that's not my focus. My focus is on going there, executing my game plan, and uh, let the judges do their job and uh, do my job and come out victorious. You know, before your fight, the week before this Saturday, Tank Davis is back in the ring and he spent a lot of time not wanting to fight you, not even discussing a fight with you. Now, with you potentially becoming undisputed champion, uh, he seems ready to do that. Do you believe that? Do you believe Tank Davis would fight you next year if you had all the belts? And does that still interest you? Of course, uh, he. Of course, he says that now. But um, we, he can say what he want to say. My main focus is to focus on George Cambosos. It's the biggest fight in the lightweight division for all the belts, undisputed history. Um, I'm not worried about Tank Davis right now. I'm not worried about uh, Roley, nobody else, but um, uh, George Cambosos because it's, it's for the top, the, the top spot, all the belts, undisputed. After the fight. You know, I could tell you what's next or who I want next. But right now, uh, I got not one fight, but two fights with George. So um, I'm ready to go. You know, you've talked a lot about the challenges of making 135 pounds. Do you believe that, I mean, you, you like you said, two fights with George Cambosis, but would you be done at 135 after that? Or would you still look for fights at that weight class? Uh, we got to see. Um, we don't know. Um, obviously, you know, uh, hired a, a nutritionist who's top of the line has helped me with this weight cut. I mean, my, my weight so far, so, so good. Uh, I feel great. And, um, but we got, we, we have to perform now and uh, we'll see. But as of right now, um, I feel great. Um, if as of right now, if it makes sense um, at 135, then, then, then why not? Last thing for you. Uh, if you win, and they hand you the WBC franchise championship belt. What would you do with it? I mean, no disrespect to the, the franchise. You know, um, <laughs> you know, we I am the WBC champion, and uh, I will walk out with my WBC belt and uh, the the rest of the, the rest of the, the other belts. And uh, it is what it is. You know, I appreciate the WBC for supporting me and everything that they've done. Um, there, it is no disrespect, but. Um, the, the the world championship belt that, that I have is the one I'll be walking out with. I, I, I assume you're not paying a, a uh, sanctioning fee for that franchise belt. I can't wait for uh, June 4th. I'm still <laughs> ready to go. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to uh, bring all the belts back. Can't it, wait. Yeah, just to, to follow up one thing, you, you, you of course heard Andre Ward's comments about 
paying too much for sanctioning fees. Um, you know, you got four belts on the line here. I'm assuming that's a lot of money you're paying. How, how do you feel about that? Do you agree with what Andre said? Do you feel any differently? What were your thoughts? Well, I didn't see what Andre said about sanctioning fees, but I mean, I've, I begged for this opportunity. I begged for the 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 shots at all the belts. So I mean, I knew what I was signing up for. I mean, I knew what was in the, I knew what was in the contract of uh, as far as uh, sanctioning fees. So uh, I'm all up for it as long as uh, I win. That's, that's all I care about. And uh, we talk about the sanctioning fees later because all I want to do is win right now. Just think about doing what the Riddick Bow with that WBC franchise belt like throwing it right in the trash oh my god come on chris come on chris i'll never do that <laughs> that's been but Devin, that's been like the bane that's been such a uh a, a, a problematic belt for you over the years where people would criticize you for something that you had nothing to do with like you were given the wbc yeah. championship i would i i wouldn't blame you to say if you just threw it into the crowd or gave it back to somebody you just yeah. do whatever yeah well Right now, this is a dream come true of mine to finally be fighting for Undisputed. And uh, I'm so blessed to, to be in this position. You know, um, I would never want to disrespect the belts like that or nothing like that because, you know, God put me in this position to, to, to fight for everything at such a young age. So uh, I look forward to it. Oh, you are a better man than I, Devin, if you uh, if you don't do that. I, I would probably do the same. Uh, good luck to you, man. Uh, I know you've been waiting a long time for this opportunity. Big fight next Saturday on ESPN. Uh, appreciate your time, Devin. Thanks for so much. When we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. All right, time now for this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. And the focus this week is going to be on the Javante Davis-Rolando-Romero fight. This is a tough fight to bet on because I think Javante Davis blows away 
Rolando Romero. I think Davis is on a different level from Romero, and while Raleigh has that one-punch knockout power, that awkward style, I just don't see him connecting on Davis. And I think he comes in, he throws something big, he misses with it, then he gets hit with something big. Now, Javante Davis is minus 1,100 with FanDuel. That's not great. If you want to take a flyer on Roley Romero, he's plus 620. Those are good odds. Maybe he can catch uh, Davis coming in. I don't know. I don't see it. Uh, so if you're going to look for a safe bet, a safe place to park your money, it's Javante Davis to win this fight. The method of victory, Davis by decision is plus 460. I don't see that happening. Romero by decision, plus 1,400. The most likely outcome is Davis by knockout. That is minus 330. So if you want to put even more money into the mix to try to get a little bit more back from your return, minus 330, those aren't terrible odds for you. So take Davis to win. Take Davis to win by knockout on Saturday at the Barclays Center. Those are this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Keith Eideck and Devin Haney for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.